God's grace, mercy, and peace are yours through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, imagine someone saying these words about you. We always thank God when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. Those are high words of praise, and one could even argue higher words of praise coming from the pen of the Apostle Paul. He has good things to say about the congregation at Colossae, words to build them up, and God willing, words to build us up in the faith too. Now, where does faith that shows itself in that kind of way come from? Well, Paul tells us in the very next phrase, one that's worth our time to pull apart, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. In other words, we have the hope of full and free forgiveness and eternity with God in heaven, and that leads us to show our trust in God and to show love to others in this life. I mean, think about it. If God has taken care of our debt of sin, if He has wiped away our debt of sin, and on top of that, promised us eternal life with Him in heaven, what is there possibly that could go wrong in this life that could put a damper on our day? Right? When we really keep things in perspective. But you know what happens more often than we like to admit? We turn into navel gazers, we start looking at our belly buttons, we, we focus on ourselves and this life and what's going on here and now. We, we end up shifting the focus off of the unseen to what we can see. Paul's words refocus us on our need for growth in the faith. Not too long after we moved here, we planted one of those $5 TEP trees that you can get if you plant it on a certain side of your house. And in a little over two years, it's grown about two feet, give or take. I mean, growth is slow, isn't it? Depends on the type of tree, the soil type, how much water you give it. Well, there's a comparison here as well for our growth in the faith. Typically, that's slow as well, but it depends on time and the Word. Applying that Word to our life, grabbing hold of it, trusting that Word of God. I mean, if you give a tree a lot of time but not much water, how do you think the growth's going to be? Not much, or it may even start dying. If you have a lot of time in the faith but shift the focus off of God's promises and the unseen and to this life and what you can see, How's that growth in the faith going to be? Not that much. Or, again, as more and more the focus is shifted to this life, it may start weakening the faith. Now, this is kind of illustrated in fathers as well. It would be easy as a father to focus completely on producing a productive member of society, one who can get out of the house and take care of himself, right? And yet... That's not our goal for our kids. In fact, we want to be instilling in them faith that will last for eternity. 
And so on this Father's Day, I want to commend you fathers for all the work that you continue doing for your kids because you know what? Study after study shows that kids get their priorities in life from their dads. And so as your kids see you making God's Word, see you making church a priority, that's something that's caught more than it's taught. That's something that they will be picking up on and noticed by your kids. Now, getting back to Colossians, not many people write letters anymore today, let alone have pen pals. But do you know what's interesting about this letter to the Colossians and Paul's greeting to the Colossians? He had never been there. He had never met them. This is one of two letters that Paul wrote which he had never visited the congregation. The other one was Romans. So Paul was, for about three years, 100 miles to the west in Ephesus, and during that time, Epaphras went and shared with the Colossians the gospel. Paul is writing this letter to the Colossians because he heard that their faith is under attack. Now, it's never spelled out what the attack is. Paul doesn't address it point by point, but it seems to be adding something to the gospel message. In other words, it's not Christ alone, but Christ plus your works. Now, going back to that tree illustration, look at think about mesquite trees for a moment. Wiry, all twisted, even thorns in them. They're good for shade. And if you do any barbecuing, good for smoking food too, right? And yet, if you ever look at them and see just a clump in the mesquite tree, you know what that is, don't you? Mistletoe! Now, for native Arizonans, you probably know what mistletoe is, but for transplants like me, I, I was surprised to find out what mistletoe was because it doesn't match up with what you're used to seeing at Christmas, right? It's a parasite. It's something that survives up of the mesquite tree and sucks life out of it. Well, as we're using the picture of a tree as an illustration for our faith, false teachings are like mistletoe. They hinder the growth of the tree. And the Colossians were facing something that hindered their growth in the faith. Imagine for a moment someone came up to you and told you, you had it all wrong. The earth is flat, not round. Up is down and down is up, or some other such nonsense like that. There's no way you'd believe them, right? What if someone came and told you the gospel as you learned it was not the full gospel? The full gospel is that you have to then do and do what God says. That you have to add your works to it. In a twisted way, that, that kind of takes, make, makes sense. It fits in with some of what we know. That God, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that faith produces in us good works. But notice, it's not really saying talking about faith producing good works. It's saying that works are part of the gospel. Okay? That's actually changing the gospel message, isn't it? Not the works and our actions flow from faith, not what faith produces in our lives like a tree produces fruit, but that works are part of the gospel. Now, Paul makes it abundantly clear in Romans chapter 11, that is not the gospel at all. He says, and if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. 
That seems to be what the Colossians were fighting. The people were coming in and telling them, no, the gospel isn't just that Jesus died for your sins, but now you have to do that. You have to do what God says, that that is included in the gospel message. Well, Paul goes on to remind the Colossians, the gospel alone is what produces the results. He says, all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You know, this is still just as true today as when Paul wrote it. Have you heard of the Hmong? H-M-O-N-G? <clears throat> Refugees from the Vietnam War that are living in America. Um, Wells has been working among the Hmong for a number of years. There's actually a number of Wells-trained pastors among the Hmong. Okay? And I learned something new recently about our work with them. It's quite shocking. The, Viet the Wells is the only Protestant church that has official permission from the Vietnamese government to go over to Vietnam and work with the Hmong. On top of that, the communist Vietnamese government has actually invited the Wells to build a theological training school over in Hanoi. Can you imagine that? The communist government has invited us to go and build a school over in Hanoi. It sounds like others have heard about the Wells' work among the Hmong as well. Now, I, I say this, I, I tell you about this, because this is encouraging. The same thing is happening today. The gospel is producing fruit throughout the world. But do you know how all that started? How that relationship started? It started with Wells members reaching out to people in their community and sharing the gospel with them. Not Jesus plus, but Jesus alone. Jesus has done everything for their salvation. And Hmong people, hearing that, shared that with their family members back home. And that's led to an invitation to the Wells to come over there and not only work with them, but build a school over there. Now, what this means, the application for you and me, is mission work is not something just done out there in the world. It's right here. It's in our neighborhoods. It's in our backyards. That's where mission work really is. It happens every day. It's not just that we want to share this gospel with others so that they grow. It's that we want to continue sharing this gospel with others as well so that we continue to grow as well. And that requires intentionality. Well, let me explain. Do we sometimes assume the gospel? I've heard this before. Have you ever thought that? This, is some, this isn't anything new. Maybe that thought has started to creep into your minds that you know this. Maybe you've lost sight of your need for forgiveness today. You see, I mean, we all know we need forgiveness, but have you noticed it happening at times that you don't always feel the need each and every day? Well, let me ask you, what sin is currently bothering you right now? What sin have you recently fallen into? What sin have you knowingly, foolishly, but knowingly, 
done. Brothers and sisters, those are the sins that we need to repent of, turn away from, turn to God. And here, once again, as if for the first time, Jesus' blood has washed away those sins. That's the message. No matter how many times we, we've heard it before, we need to hear it again as if for the first time and be comforted by the simplicity of it. It's not that Jesus has just died for certain sins. He's died for all sins. To take comfort in the true peace that it gives and that it brings us. See, when we continue to be amazed by the gospel message, when we continue to hear it as if for the first time, then you know what? We're going to see other people's need for that gospel message as well. If we start assuming it in our own lives, then don't we also start assuming it in other people's lives? I mean, let's face it, most Americans are Christian, right? But we tell ourselves that at times, don't we? This is a message people desperately need to hear. By the way, this is a message we desperately need to hear day after day after day and be amazed by it. You see, when we face the seriousness of our sins, it drives us to the cross. And we see the seriousness of our sins, and there we see also God's love for us, that He died for them and washed them all away. And that is really the gospel message. Period. They're gone. Through faith in Jesus, we have eternity with God in heaven. See, when we focus on the cross, that keeps us focused on God's Word and His promises, what He has done. Can you imagine someone saying about you, I always thank God when I pray for you because I've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The Colossians' faith was under attack. People were trying to add to the gospel message. And so what does Paul do? He directs them back to the simple gospel message. Not Christ plus, but Christ plus alone has done everything for your forgiveness, everything for your salvation. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the gospel. Believe it. The gospel message, that message is what has produced growth around the world. And brothers and sisters, that gospel message is what continues to produce growth in our own lives as we hear it day after day after day. Amen.